Welcome to Utopian Horizons. Hello and welcome to Utopian Horizons, a podcast where I cover a different utopia, dystopia, utopian thinker or movement in each episode. Today's episode is uh, completely different to anything I've done on this feed before. Um, Obviously, normally when we're talking about uh, a novel or a film or whatever it is we're talking about, I normally have a a guest on who's kind of... um, analyzing that with me um what i haven't done before is talk to to somebody about a thing that they've actually made which is uh what what you're going to be hearing in in this episode so i'm going to be joined by uh, gabrielle and jack who are two members of AAA software which is a um kind of video games collective who's who've just recently released a game called utopias navigating without coordinates and uh, as you can guess, the, the subject matter of the game is, is uh, relevant to the show. I've kind of been aware of them for quite a long time. Um, I don't know how, but early on, quite early on, I think, if a few of the members of that collective uh, were, were kind of some of the first listeners to this podcast, I think. So, yeah, um, I thought that it would be nice to talk to them. And I thought their project looked cool and something relevant to to the theme of, of this show so um yeah thought i'd try something new talk to them ab- about the process of of making it and talk about uh some of the ideas behind it um i've tried to kind of split the chat into two halves so that you can listen to the first part without um having kind of uh having any elements of the game spoiled for you and then there'll, there'll kind of be a warning while you're listening that we're going to start talking about the game in more detail uh before we get to that Sorry, it's taken me a little while longer than usual to release an episode. I am slightly slowed down uh, by Corona. Um, sorry, I don't mean I have Corona and I'm slowed down. I mean um, just uh, the amount of time available to me at the moment is uh, greatly reduced. So it's getting, uh, yeah, it's a bit tough to fit stuff in at the moment. But um, so that's a shame. But I'm excited because I've got lots of lots of as always. I've got lots of things in in the in the works. I'm kind of halfway for arranging various things. I'm halfway for reading a book that I'm excited to be talking about soon. But yeah, it might take a, a while to get back in into the swing of things. Anyway, uh, I hope you are all doing well. And I don't think there's anything else I need to add up front here. So um, I'll leave you now with my conversation with Gabrielle and Jack. Joining me now are two members of AAA Software. Uh, they have just uh, released a game called Utopias Navigating Without Coordinates. And as you can guess, that's uh, obviously of interest to this podcast. Um, so as I said, they've got two members joining me to talk about it. I'll let them introduce yourself themselves so you can match the, the name to the voice. Uh, hi, I'm Jack. Hey, I'm Gabriel. So... Um, First thing I'll say before we start chatting, we are obviously going to talk about the game at some point. I'm going to try and avoid going into too many details in the first part of this, just so that if you want to go away and play the game, you can do that without uh, kind of um, knowing too much about it and keeping it fresh. Uh, Later on, we'll probably go into talking about the game a bit more, and I'll let you know when we're going to do that so you've got a chance to go away and play the game if that's something you want to do. So... um, First of all, can you, can you tell us uh, about AAA Software? What is it? Um, yeah, so uh, AAA Software is basically an art or video game collective. Uh, we formed out of an event or a meetup uh, that was called Art Games. That was, was was founded by one of our members, Jira, like four or five years ago. Uh, and this was like a meetup where people who made games or digital art presented their projects, gave talks. Uh, shared ideas and stuff and basically we met there uh, mostly by staying late and having drinks together (laughs) and uh, then uh, we had this opportunity to present a game at an event called Distropicana it was in Leipzig Mm -hmm. and uh, we kind of three or four people of us kind of improvised a little game over a weekend but back in the day it wasn't really like a collective or anything but it grew out of that and now it's a full-grown uh, game collective, I guess. Okay, so originally it was more just like kind of these. So, what what type of things were you doing at these these meetups? 
um, it was mostly like either people coming and presenting a work in pro uh, process, mm -hmm. work in project, work in process, work in process game, uh, or like people giving a talk. It could be about whatever, like a political aspect of the game industry or of games it could be about something more technical uh, like whatever how did i manage to do that it was very different actually every 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 event had a lot of uh, was very different but it was basically meant for people that were not necessarily affiliated with the how can i say this with the tech industry part of the video game world so they could mm. meet because not a lot of these events exist so it was Kind of, yeah, kind of an underground game event. Yeah. So, how did you? So, how did you end up going from like that kind of more informal thing to like making get? I mean, was that just like you happened to or have a, a shared interest or something? Um, so there was a Slack, uh, a chat, a Slack chat um, created for the art games event, mm -hmm. so that the community could come together and meet and talk about stuff. And in the early days of that, it was a lot more, um, it's kind of a mix of people, uh, you know, how it is if you join a discord or a Slack these days where you're just kind of poking your head in. Mm -hmm. Um, so some people really posted a lot and some people were, um, just there to see what was going on. And I think partly through the first project, which I actually wasn't a part of, um, there was a bit of a congealing of people who were really interested in making work together as opposed to other people who are interested in games or, or had their own projects and games already, you know, well ahead of us. Um, so yeah, I guess it's sort of a natural evolution. Um, and we still use that same Slack today. And there's still some people on there that I would say are, are not um, part of AAA or they don't make projects with us currently. Mm -hmm. um, but in the old days, it was a bit more like a community center feel. And now it's much more like our, our private collective chat. Uh, room and that's that's been sort of a centerpiece even if we're not all uh, checking it all at the time if that makes sense yeah so how, how do you think of what you are because the, the, the reason I say that is because I think so when we're talking about video games people have an idea of like you have so you have big studios that make uh, you know the big games and then you have indie studios which are like uh, you know smaller groups of people making smaller games or whatever but what you are to me is not like an uh, it's not like an indie studio it doesn't feel that to me it's feels like a more of like an art collective or something is that a fair way of framing it i mean there's always uh, one level on under the the indie scene. you know like maybe we're more like zine people or like I don't know how to explain that really. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there is those distinctions. Like, um, so first off, the name AAA Collective—that's what um, the, the top tier of uh, commercial games is called. AAA Games, kind of like saying Hollywood Films. So we, mm -hmm. uh, somewhat ironically, named ourselves that. Uh, <laughs> I think it's funny every time uh, it comes up. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's main, there's big mainstream games, and then there's a whole generation of indie games, meaning commercially focused projects by small teams or, or even medium-sized companies that aren't associated with the major publishers. Mm -hmm. And there's been an explosion of that the last 10 or almost 15 years now. Um, and then, yeah, like Gabriel said, there's several layers kind of below that in terms of financial, I don't know, scale, mm -hmm. uh, all the way down to just total hobbyists where people aren't that interested in making money off of it at all. And our collective is much more in those ranges um you know we uh, how do i explain it yeah i mean i would say like like the one difference is that what jack said is that indie indie games tend to have even if they're not like independent from the big studios they tend to have a, a, a focus that is on making money it doesn't mean that the games are necessarily bad or that they're that making money is their only goal mm -hmm. but it's like a real studio with a lot of people that you know have families to feed and that's they consider that their their main job and they want to you know make it big in the indie game world mm -hmm. in 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 a way we are like i think a lot of us don't even have hope of any ever making money out of it so we so we are basically more like it's a it sounds weird to say that but in a way it's a pure form of artistic expression we don't have this 
this need to produce anything that can sell. We can just experiment and do whatever whatever we want. This this is why I think it's a good position to inhabit. Yeah, we. Um, I mean, at least personally, um, it's it's not my job now because we don't make anywhere near enough. I mean, even a hundred times as much, a uh, hundredth of the money that we would need to make to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wouldn't want this to be my job. I mean, if anybody who has grants uh, just waiting, you know, no strings attached and wants to give us money to make a project, I guess we wouldn't, you know, we'd turn that down. But we're definitely not orienting ourselves towards that or coming up with project ideas only to meet um, funding opportunities. It's really more like just very loose. Like, what do we all want to do? I don't know. Let's figure it out yeah. and debate and discuss it and even when we start a project like Utopias, it's um, it's been uh, two years since we started it, and it was quite a um, strange process, to say the least, because it was just all up to us, and we wouldn't have done that if we were a, uh, a commercial studio in any sense where we had to worry about paying our bills. So Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously there are indie games that can do, like, interesting things and, uh, and stuff like oh, that, sure. but... That, but um, as you say, if you need to make money because, uh, yeah, you're a business and you need to survive, there's certain things that you, you just cannot do, um, because it's not commercially viable. So yeah, yeah. you have to have a plan of where you're going. And I mean, we had a vague plan for utopias, but I had no idea what would look like this when we started it. And you can't really, you can't start a business like that unless you're already independently wealthy. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's both of your backgrounds in terms of, like how you got involved with this or you know what why you wanted to get involved in it yeah so i mean i played a lot of video games as a kid although actually i'm more sort of fetishized the idea of video games because i had one or two systems and i had a really outdated computer for most of my life so i read all the video game magazines and all this kind of stuff which looking back is a terrible culture yeah. uh compared to what i you know what i'm into now but I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's always the drive of like, oh, well, I could make that. I could learn how to do that. Um, and messing around with a few games that I owned on computer where you can really kind of pick apart the brains or download mods and stuff. Um, and then many years later, I became a programmer somewhat accidentally. Um, and after a few years of programming websites, I was like, oh, I could make video games, right? Like, I know how to program. And that's most of what's hard about video games, I, I thought at the time. And then uh, when I moved to Berlin, I had made a, a few pretty tiny games. And my first week here, I went to an art games meetup and met all of these people. And it's, yeah, I just kind of slid into it. It was pretty perfect. Are you Gabriel? Um, I have absolutely no background in tech, basically. I always wanted to be either a musician or a writer. Both kind of failed. <laughs> then I started trying something new. I mean, I always liked video games, but I think in general, uh, that's kind of one thing about a collective. The different backgrounds are very mm. uh, diverse. Like some people come from more like from a tech side, uh, you know, like, have, you know, programmers or something. Other are more like whatever musicians, uh, other are more like painters, you know, like every, mm. we all, probably all share this kind of uh, idea that, that we played video games, at least as kids, and that we have this kind of uh fascination for the for the possibilities that video games have and like uh for all you could do with them but like apart from that i think we come from very different backgrounds i think that's actually uh, now thinking about this all at once a pattern that all a lot of us have is we um if we went to school somewhere we went to school for somewhat of a passion thing and then became extremely disillusioned with it so yeah. uh going to school to be an animator and then realizing that you just really dislike uh, your prospects as a commercial animator, or in my case, actually, I went to school to become a recording engineer, uh, and learned to program on the side because I was really dissatisfied with my studies and really, uh, disillusioned with, you know, if I was going to be a recording engineer, I would spend the next 30 years recording bands I wasn't that into. (laughs) Um, maybe a little bit of, uh, youthful, issues there too now looking back it's like that's a pretty nice job to have actually compared to a lot of other projects (laughs) so it was a rude awakening when i left school but um uh, and other people who went to school for uh fine art degrees painting all sorts of stuff um who later became professional programmers actually there's two people like that now that i'm thinking about it yeah it's quite a 
quite a mix of backgrounds. Okay, cool. So as I said before, I think maybe we'll, we'll talk about it in more detail in a bit, but can you, for, for people who have no idea, can you tell them what this, this game is that you've just released? I mean, I think on a very superficial side, the easiest thing you can say about it is it's like a network of nine interconnected games. So basically you enter uh, a hub world, like some kind of planetary system. And from there you can ac access nine different games that were each made by one of us and that are each very different. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, subject of Utopia, um, is what, is what I, I'm into. I'm interested at, as to... So obviously you're, um, like you said, this isn't like a, a studio where someone's in charge and says, we're going to make a game about this and everyone does that. Um, so I'm interested about like how you came to the subject of Utopia, like why you ended up making a game uh, on that subject. Mm, yeah. So maybe a quick bit of backstory. Our previous project's called uh, Data Mutations. And that project was, um, we made a bunch of assets, so uh, textures, uh, sounds, 3D models, et cetera, and just put them in a folder. Um, and then we made a game jam out of that. So we all took the same starting pile of assets and then made a bunch of different games with it. Um, and so even though there was sort of a theme of mutation, it wasn't quite a specific, you know, it's quite an open-ended theme, especially when the assets were basically random stuff that we could have used. Mm -hmm. So... Partly, I think there was some hunger to pick a more specific theme for the next project. So it felt less like a collection of like an anthology of games and more like a single cohesive piece. Mm -hmm. I think we, yeah, we had, we started listening, of course, to Utopian Horizons, uh, best <laughs> podcast ever, uh, and getting some inspiration from that. Um, I think also at some point early on, we either read or some of us had already read, um, Ursula Gwynn's The Dispossessed or some other, a couple of other books got passed around uh, like that that really helped concretize it as a concept that we could pursue. Yeah, and I think also we, we kind of thought, like we had this realization that like a lot of culture and is like mm, dealing a lot of dystopias that basically every science fiction movie or book mm. in the last 10 years is kind of a dystopian thing, which makes sense because it's, dystopia is an easy way to uh, kind of point at problems that uh, happen in the in the world right now but then we kind of realized that basically if we want to to work towards changing the world in a positive way you also need kind of good examples and not just like dystopian examples of what can go wrong mm. and actually approaching games as a person who uh, has fond memories of video games I played as a kid but also very critical thoughts about video games as they are. Um, the idea of trying to make something that was a video game that was not ironic, at least in the sense that if we're going to do utopias as a theme, you can't make a dystopia as your utopia because that's kind of a cop-out, you know, it's very easy to do. And that's sort of why we end up with all these dystopian themes. So for me personally, it was, I think actually for a couple of us, it was a struggle to think okay, yeah, utopia, what, what is an actual utopia for me, even if I don't have to please anyone else? And, you know, not so simple. Yeah, I think it's uh, trying to um, imagine utopias is, is uh, if you actually try and do it, it's it's unusually difficult. It's um, really hard to run into sort of problems as soon as you try, start trying to think it out, I think. And I have to say, nothing's more embarrassing than being someone, uh, I mean, I'm a late millennial uh, of my sort of era and standing up and saying, I firmly believe in this thing. And it's really good because you're kind of conditioned from birth to make fun of the person who, who, you know, really cares. And you say, Oh, that's so stupid. What a nerd, you know? And even being a, a nerd myself, I still have that impulse of it's hard to stand up and I don't know. Yeah. Like having that kind of ironic perspective on every, everything. yeah, it, it's so easy. You know, you, you could see somebody give the greatest speech in the world and it just takes one person to say like, well, that was awkward. And then everyone, you know, laughs and discredits it just in the cultural sense. Yeah. Because you have to kind of, if you, if you have to, if you try and like lay out, okay, this is like what I think utopia should be, or this is like some kind of vision I have is an element of you having to expose yourself uh i guess if that yeah hugely yeah so i think that makes it difficult 
But um, so one thing um, I was really interested in is, um, so Jiro, who you mentioned before, mentioned to me that you tried to, so not not only did you try to make a game about utopia, but you tried to make it in a utopian way. Like, I don't, I, I don't know exactly what that means, I guess, in terms of how you organized or something. So can you tell me about that? Because that's really interesting to me. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of, I, I mean, it's a lot of different aspects. I would say that the first one is uh, trying to not work in a hierarchical manner and not having one leader, one person giving the, the, the ID, the main ID and others, others following. Uh, it also is the sharing of resources and the sharing of knowledge. Like, even though everyone did one game, uh, in a way, everyone worked on the game, the games of other people, and we helped ourselves with, with knowledge or assets, like, or sounds, or people made the sounds for someone else. And then it was a lot of, I don't know how to really explain that, but a lot of constant adjustments of how we work together and what does it mean in order not to fall into like the, this classical motive of like a, a, a normal indie game studio where it's like, you have to work, you have to finish this game, you have this deadline. And like, at what point do you have to consider uh, the personal struggles or the personal lives of other of the people working with you? You know, like it's just basically, I would say for me, it's like this constant adjustment where where the individual, like where the, the people are more important than the final product in a way. So how are you, how are you work? Because I, I guess like f- you must be working in like isolation to an extent so how kind of how kind of isolated in you and how and where you're working on whatever you're working on like do you does everyone kind of know what the other person's working on are you, are you like planning stuff that much are you all kind of uh going away in like your little silos and and coming back together at certain points or something like that yeah i mean it's, it's a mix of stuff um because of a technical decision we made early on, which is um, actually follows out of the previous project where we had each made our own separate games that you could just kind of double click on and play and you would get them in one folder. We, we went with that same system for this, uh, Utopias, and we thought, oh, well, we'll figure out how to kind of stitch them together into one cohesive piece that the, the, the player would see as one single game. We'll figure that out at the end. And that had uh, a lot of uh, long-term ramifications, technically, um, conceptually, and just like workflow, like how we all work together. Um, So we ended up doing a lot of siloed work in terms of getting the bulk of the project done. But because we did this over two years, we interrupted these little work, you know, everybody working separately um, with a lot of meetings, a lot of in-person meetings. and not everybody would come to every single meeting in person, but having six or seven or eight people in the room at once on a weekend, I don't know how many, I mean, we probably did 30 or 40 meetings uh, in two years, Yeah. Um, which is really like almost every other weekend, if you think about it. Mm. Um, so those, like Gabriel was saying, those were the adjustments. Those were the suddenly realizing something wasn't going to work or questioning someone's choice. We, we also made some... Um, this would just be one short thing about the game specifically, but we made a decision early on um, because we had seen in previous projects that when we showed the games in public, people who were not gamers or even people who did play games and had some games literacy really didn't like to play a con- complicated game in public, like in a gallery setting or a party, mm-hmm. especially when we're giving them a full computer with a keyboard and mouse. So for this project, we chose only a three button mouse it's the only controls you can't use any keyboard buttons and that that was probably that probably saved our ass actually because without that every game would have been totally different even as much work as we did to try to bring them together mm. did did you all kind of did everyone in the group have like when you started have a clear idea of like what they thought of when they thought of utopia or like was that something that you were no, also I, talking about together? I think almost everybody started over at least once. Yeah, and I think and I think for for a lot of us, the the in a way, the the struggle of figuring out what an utopia is is kind of at the core of the project. Not necessarily for every game, but in a lot of ways, this end up being at the core of the thing very often. 
Yeah. Was there like um, an idea? Like, what I'm trying to say is, did you have like a shared idea of like what utopia means? Like, um, like what you were trying to go for in the concept of utopia? Is that something that, like, is that something you discussed together? Is that something that everyone was trying to kind of do like individually? I think, again, we, we tend to work solo for a short period of time, mm. even if it's just I would mess with my project for a weekend and then I suddenly hit a wall either in confidence or just in implementing something. And I, we would then talk with each other. There's also a lot of side channel kind of communication, not just, I mean, that's the thing. We had all these meetings as a full group, but we also had tons of one-on-one just talking with each other and hanging out as friends and discussing our projects ideas. Um, and I think the biggest part of that was less um, coming together with a unified idea and more telling each other that our utopian ideas were worth following. I think we all had a lot of um, mm. difficulty believing that it was worth pursuing our concept. Um, I definitely did. I, actually, several people did, I know for sure, because I, I talked to them about it. And yeah, it's it's you think you have a great idea, and then three months later, you're looking at this half-finished project, and you can no longer see what it looks like in your mind. You can just see what it looks like in the game engine half-baked and it just looks so bad, you know, and you really have to psych yourself back up. Um, yeah. Especially when you're working solo until you come back together again. So, you, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's really um, uh, like this whole idea that you've, yeah, you know, tried to make a game about Utopia and think about how that applies to how you make it in terms of, you know, stuff you mentioned about not having a hierarchy and, and things like this. I actually think that's really, really important that, that, yeah, that the themes the game is dealing with are reflected in the process. Um, because you can see a lot of, um, and this isn't like an original point that I'm making, but, uh, in games, you see a lot of stuff now in terms of like, um, diversity and things like that, which, which is great. But sometimes that means you have a diverse, roster of like virtual characters but does that but does that diversity apply to like the team that made the game you know what i mean so there can be this disconnection between okay you're making a game about utopia but if the way you're making it is um really uh, hierarchical and exploitative and you're like bullying the other people like there's a disconnect there and we see like yeah there was uh some stuff recently about game that had that was showing off its diversity and like its character roster, but like all the all these black characters and stuff were voiced by white people. So, yeah. so I think this probably this... not under a union contract or anything else, right? Like <laughs> terrible <laughs> conditions as well on top of yeah. it. But no, I just think it's worth noting that I think that having that connection between what you're trying to make something about and how you make it is really important and doesn't exist enough, I think. Yeah, we definitely struggled through that. Um, uh, the first third of the project's time, like after we kind of kicked it off, was really quiet and not many people were really working on our projects or feeling that inspired. And we had kind of a meeting where one of us was really upset. And, and it, you know, I think at first some of us were also thinking, oh, why are you so mad? You know, we're working on our games. And then realizing around the room, um, nobody was having that much fun. Like, what, what are we doing this for if we're not enjoying it? And I don't think we even changed that much in terms of like, you know, the mechanism of how we were working. It was just more checking in and being like, do we really want to do this? Okay, let's do it. And let's like, let's only make it if we're excited about doing it. And why are we excited? And not, you know, a business style crunch reason that we have to make more money for the investors or whatever. Yeah, I think the whole thing we grew from basically the, the last project we had before that Jack mentioned before. Um, even if we worked together, it was more like an anthology. So everyone really was in control of their own games. And I think in this case, it started really like that, but it mm. grew in, in a way that became far more integrated and really much more about the communication. And basically the most important part of the process was kind of the meetings we had far more important than yeah. I would say what people would do alone in front of their computers. Well, that sounds like a reflective of, of the theme of the game in a nice way anyway. Um, that kind of moved to being a collaborative thing. So, I mean, did you, how much did you know about each other's games like while you were, while you were doing this? About each other's games? Yeah. 
pretty, we knew a lot because we had meetings often, so we knew the ideas of the others. And oh, yeah, although it's, um, I think early on when we hadn't really seen that much of each other's projects yeah, in yeah. person, more like screenshots and stuff. If we hadn't all met up in person, it was kind of hard to tell really what it was going to feel like playing someone else's game. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, the con I think after the first six months, we had the concepts nailed down pretty clear, and we I don't think anybody. Uh, change their concept that heavily since that point, um, or maybe they—I don't know. Gabriel, did you change yours quite a lot? You kind of extended yours with more commentary. And yeah, I had—I I don't really remember when it happened, but it's true that I had like two phases. But I think after the first six months, it was basically already how it, more or less how it is now. Mm. Was it important to you to? have because you i mean you've mentioned like this thing of like having the games instead of being um kind of like a separated anthology of having some way of like connecting to them so was there an idea that you wanted to have some kind of cohesion with what the games were going for um or like how they contrasted with each other like did you i mean was it did you did you care if like the games were like completely different and you know well, we we trying to find some kind of cohesion there. I don't think we we really cared about. If, I think we kind of encouraged them to be different more than trying to limit. I mean, the, because the the basic idea was that every one of us has to try to come up with. In the end, the question: What is utopia for you? Not you know, it's not like we all have utopian worlds that we presented because that's not at all what the game is. But it's like kind of a reflection on our, our personal reflection on what a utopia can be. And if you try to do that, you have to encourage people to come up with very different things. Mm. So it's kind of uh, part of the essence of the project that the different games or sub-games were going to be very different, I would say. Yeah. If you play through the whole thing, you'll, you'll notice there's quite a lot of little reflections of the games in each other. But those were sort of more wired in near the end of the process, we started copying assets from each other and um, wiring them up and, and hiding little references. And there's some repeated iconography and actually both of those things came in really late and um, what I would almost call like a, a meme internally for us. Like you'll notice the I iconography, I think you can see it in the trailer in several places, mm. that, that was just in one of the games. Yeah, it was actually in part of the game that got canceled and then re-added later. And in between it being cancelled and re-added, um, that eye got copied into like most of the other utopias at some level, mm. just because people thought it looked cool. And then it became this symbol and we kind of, I feel a strong connection to that looking at it now, but none of that was planned. It just kind of co cohesed, uh, congealed together. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was a really cool moment to realize that was possible for us. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I think it would be good to, it'd be fun to talk a bit more specifically about the game now. So yeah, just to say if you're listening and you haven't played it and you want to, before you hear us talk more about specifics of the game, then as I said, it's called uh, Utopias Navigating Without Coordinates and you can find it on itch.io. That's where I got it from. Um, I don't know, is it anywhere else? Or is that where people should go? Uh, right now, there's, that's the only place. Yeah. I mean, they can go to our website, which is uh, looks cooler than the itch page. But <laughs> what's, <laughs> your web, what's your website? Uh, Jack, you know the, the yeah, URL? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's utopias.aaasoftwa and then .re. Ah, okay. So software, but with a .re. And we got one of those cool domains that's impossible to yeah. explain <laughs> to anybody. So yeah. check, check the link in the show notes, I guess. Yeah, okay. So... Yeah, let's talk about the game. Uh, I want to know what game. Oh, Gabriel, I know what game you made, like because I've played it, and it's uh, obvious that you made <laughs> yeah, it. Okay, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hard, hard. Uh, what game did you make, Jack? Uh, so I made one. Uh, actually, it's funny that we have titles for them because for a long time we were going to say we weren't going to have internal titles for this, the individual utopias, and we kind of added them in as a navigation hint. So my one is called Bioforce Utopia which is like a parody of a 1990s arcade game uh, where you're driving around shooting um, at these like industrial robot kind of buildings and it spawns um, all kinds of life and stuff all over the surface of the building. So it's like a, a non-violent on-rails arcade shooter game. Yeah, okay. Depending on your definition of violence. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was a, a very um, that felt like a, a very well observed. Uh, yeah. Um, well, what I'm trying to say, I played you know some of those games in the nineties, and uh, yeah. it felt very familiar in terms of like the I, I don't know how to describe it, like the style of it, the sound of it, the way it moved. Uh, it felt very. very I mean, nice. it's it's a time crisis. If anyone wants to look that up on YouTube, the Time Crisis arcade game is the thing I copied the most from. Okay, yeah, through that I felt. Yeah, yeah. I that. So, why did you? Uh, what led you down that route? Uh, so, my original concept for my utopia was way stranger and more abstract, and um, I I couldn't kind of see it well enough. I had made a bit of a sketch of it, and I couldn't. I couldn't tell what the player was going to do, and I felt that other people were going to handle having experiences that were a bit stranger or a bit less video gamey, mm-hmm. um, just because I know our individual styles. So I felt a bit like I had license to just make a straight up parody video game, mm-hmm. in a sense, that's like very action focused with lots of explosions and sound effects, um, which is not usually the kind of game I'm I'm that excited to make. but. Uh, yeah, I've definitely been reading a lot of ecology type stuff lately or around the time of that book or that, that uh, game concept and um, trying to think about a way that I could make something that's like a direct action simulator without it being like, I don't know, a black block kind of or what, you know, real world political situation. So I made it more like you're blockading these industrial things with your tree bullets and just go full, full parody, self parody, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, and just for um, obviously people who who haven't played it, um, there's a real diversity in terms of like the stuff that's in this. So uh, I think that's that's why I kind of di- didn't. Uh, that's why I was kind of encouraging people to play it first because I think one of the things I liked about it was that you go to these different planets and play the different games, and uh, they're like really different um, in terms of the stuff in there. So. Yeah, that's one of the things that's cool about it, I think. Um, so, Gabriel, your game's interesting. I don't. So, I don't know how to. This is. This will sound like I'm, I'm insulting you, which I promise you I'm not. But you, you're. It's okay. So, yeah. Yeah, but this is like kind of the way you you frame the game yourself. I think in how you played it, and I really liked it. Was you kind of uh, started with this idea, and then you kind of framed it almost as like a failure that you then uh, kind of. <laughs> tried to, to i don't know i thought uh, yeah i'm just curious as like how you ended up like that it's something i really enjoyed basically the the, the game if you play it really 100 uh, percent mirrors the process of it like at first i really take this took this idea of like thinking about what an utopia could be like seriously or not seriously but like literally i really tried to think like well that's something i'm also saying in 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 in, in the game but like at some point i read this 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 kind of dumb quote from the Dalai Lama saying like, oh, if every child would meditate or like everyone would meditate once a day, uh, the world would be solved. And I tried to think about something like, let's think about one ritual, one thing that if everyone does it, it will change the world. So I tried to think about that and I came up with this one short story basically and I made, like basically the, what you see in the first part of the game is what really like in the first few months of me creating this game was going to be the whole thing like 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 a short like some kind of off voice short story on like this kind of weird strategy game and then at some point i realized okay this is not working this is bullshit then came like that this is why i made the second part where it's me speaking about the bullshit i just <laughs> made <laughs> and and then i and then for a long time it was just these two parts I mean, that for like listeners who have n- not played the game, it's probably hard to imagine what I'm speaking about. But anyway, so then I had like these two two parts, like the original game and the commentary on this game. And then I tried, I, I thought I tried to think about how to get out of this, how to basically get the Topian again and not stop on this kind of pretty dystopian meta postmodern failure commentary, you know? Mm. And I and I and my solution to that was to basically ask other people what their <laughs> ritual would be. <laughs> it's, kind of a, it's kind of a cop out, but in the end, it works pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I I genuinely really liked it. I think um, so. Again, as you say, this is going to be confusing for people who haven't played it, but I'm going to keep talking about it anyway. 
I really like the bit with the Skype call in it because <laughs> yeah, that was actually uh, Jira kind of uh, surprised me with that. They called me and they made it sound like it was a. It probably was an honest call, but they didn't tell, tell me af uh, until afterwards that they recorded it, which was a very <laughs> clever, which was a very clever move. But it, and it and it turned out very well. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, no, but <laughs> I think um, I think one of the things so like you've talked about right this is a collective where you're trying to do something together and I think that kind of um and we've talked about this already right that it's hard to imagine like utopias and it's like a, a hard thing to do and there's been all sorts of I've talked about in this podcast before a hundred times I'm sure there's um people like Frederick Jameson and stuff have talked about why uh it's, it's hard to have a utopian imagination in our current moment and the the fact that you kind of went back to like your com community or like your collective to to like confront that difficulty and try to uh yeah work something out together i felt actually ended up resonating with the theme of the game really well and and as me as a player like I got a sense of there being like a collective there because you were like having this conversation. So yeah, I think it works well. I, th I think there's a lot of that in this collective where we, we had sev several meetings I can think of specifically where we sat down and we're all like, oh, what are we doing? I don't know. What are you doing? What, how are we, gonna, <laughs> how are we going to do this? Uh, I don't know. And we just had to, you know, ask each other until we figured something out. And maybe that's not like, that's not the glamour story you hear about, you know, the game company with a genius idea and they just knew it was, you know, they always wanted to make a fantasy themed Candy Crush video game and they pursued their dreams, you know, like <laughs> we just, yeah, we have to back each other up. And um, that's the the negative side to being in a collective like this where there's, there's no one's in charge. And I mean that in a good way too, but uh, it's just up to us to figure out what we're going to do. And there's a, there was a point maybe in the project halfway through where I was thinking, Oh, are we really going to get across the finish line? You know, we're still working, but it's slowing. And maybe I don't personally feel the motivation. And I think just talking to each other uh, fixes that. Yeah, that's nice. And I think it's it's in that... Uh, I like the fact that you have, like, the thread in the middle. And, like, every there's a sense that everything... Uh, all the different games kind of coalesce into that thread. Again, there's a sense of, like... Yeah. A collective if you think of like how utopian th thinking should work it's like a sense of different people trying to contribute something together and like trying to like um out of like working together trying to come up with something and i think that all, all those all the games kind of contributing to that thread was like a nice way of visualizing that yeah yeah and those those visual themes were created fairly late in the development or actually probably a better way to say that is a large part of the development time, we had not sat down and played through all of the games on one computer in front of each other for like maybe a year and three months out of the two year time. We just had never seen all of our games in one place. And after we did that on a self-imposed um, uh, deadline, just so we could see what we were doing, it suddenly all came together. So that's that's where the, that cloth uh, imagery came from. That's where, I mean, a lot of different things came into the project at that point and it just kind of appeared in front of, I mean, obviously somebody made all that stuff, but in the sense, conceptually, it just kind of happened. Mm. I don't know if I can ask you this question or it's too unfair. Of you. <laughs> do you, is there like a, you don't have to answer this, uh, if you don't want to offend <laughs> okay. your other members, but like, is there like, for each of you, is there like a one of, one of a game that you didn't make that you find particularly interesting or that you enjoyed or something? I'm not saying that you then thought the other ones were bad, but I'm just wondering if there's one that's not for you. Yeah, honest, honestly, the thing is yes and no, because there's, it's more like over the two years, or at least in the, the, the last six months, there was always like at some point one game where I thought like, oh, mm, that's my favorite game. Yeah. And, and, but it's, it kind of changes a yeah. little bit for me. Like, yeah, uh, okay. I'm trying to think what's my favorite game now. Is that the same for you, Jack, as well? Or? Yeah, I have a strange relationship to some of the games because I did a lot of code contributions. Like, after the the game had been mostly mocked out, I, I tended to go help people, like, fix little bits. Um, 
Okay, so after a lot of us aren't a lot of us just aren't programmers at all, or are fairly new to programming or game development because it's it's really a lot of different uh, skills. So I would often go kind of I don't know bottom line somebody's project, but it really in a sense of like collaboration and seeing what they wanted to add and helping. So I kind of know the guts of some of them more, and for different reasons, I have the same feeling of I like one more one week, and then the next week I think, oh god. I can't believe the code in that game that I wrote. I never want to see it again. Yeah. And then three months later after you release, now I'm like, oh, that was a pretty good game, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to, uh, if, if, if anybody's kind of considering playing who's listening, I just want to kind of briefly tell them a bit about some of the other stuff to see if I can tempt them in. Because uh, I think it's sure. quite interesting. There's like, um, uh, I don't want to forget them all, but like there's one that is kind of in um in a what I, what kind of looks like a post crisis world or something with these alien, alien beings that beings. look really you know what I mean like the oh, really yeah. weird creatures I really you, you, you hit it exactly on the head yeah yeah they look uh honestly those creatures look really cool like they look yeah, really they look, they look amazing um, strange you know you know you know like trying to make something that looks weird or strange is like mm. I think actually quite hard uh yeah and it captures that that was cool uh there's one there's one on a a, a planet where you can uh, uh there's like a little community on a planet that you walk around yeah, on yeah. and you can kind of look yeah. at different um that's actually maybe you didn't necessarily get that but uh it's it's super, it's interesting because it's on a phase lock planet so i don't i'm not the best person to exactly explain what it is but it's like a planet that doesn't rotate around the sun, I think. Jack, tell me Yeah, it's wrong. like how the moon is. So the same face of the planet always faces the sun, like how our moon always faces us. So basically, you have like one side of the planet that's always cold and one side that is always hot. And that's basically all, kind of a little bit what this game is based upon, which is super interesting, I think. Yeah, that was cool. There's a really abstract one where you're like... Uh moving stuff with like you're controlling two hands and like moving things um there's there's a one way you're it's kind of like a visualization of twitter or something where you're (laughs) flying around trying to like collect (laughs) followers and like uh yeah like as a bird I, i gotta just say i really i like that one because uh, in video games, you call it a first-person controller when it's like a shooter game where you're just, you know, looking down the barrel of the gun. And that one's called bird-person controller because you fly around as a bird. It's like <laughs> the stupidest joke, but I think it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Did, do you know, is that... Because, uh, like, so one of the things of uh, that's interesting with a game like this as well is... So in, in, a, in a traditional game, the conditions of, like, what you're trying to achieve is normally quite obvious. Um in a game in games like this that's not always the case like you're not always sure like what you're trying to oh did you mean there's no clear winning state basically yeah so basically in that in that game i got to a point where i felt like i couldn't win and then i was like i was trying to work out i think this is the point of this i think i'm not supposed to be able to do it but i'm also not sure if i'm like just getting confused (laughs) i do something wrong I, we we play, we realized at some point that this game was kind of confusing all of us that didn't make it, and like some people thought that was the way of playing it, other people kind of thought that was of playing the way of playing it, with, which I think is super great actually. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of why I love this game because I mean I have no fucking idea what's the what you have to really do to basically win or finish this game, I'll, I'll but that's why that's why I like it. Uh, I'll say something really quick uh, in general about what being in a collective is great for and that's one example is although we tried to simplify the controls so this game doesn't you don't have to be a gamer to know how to play this game even if parts are confusing it's more like um, uh, trying to make it accessible so people can physically play it um, without needing to know 100 buttons on their keyboard but we don't have to deliver any specific thing we didn't make a promise to the player so it's okay if we kind of mess with you or make things unclear or make things really clear. And I think there's a lot of different parts of the project that are like that. Like uh, Gabriel's game can includes a lot of meta moments. And although that's not a, a skill-based you know, gameplay part, mm. it's still, I really enjoy it because it's so unlike other video games. 
that the creator of the video game starts to talk to you in the middle of the game <laughs> in a very like direct way as opposed to kind of a jokey, I don't know, yeah, uh, Stanley Parable or something like that. Um, and I don't think you could really do that if you're trying to make a commercial game because if you turned off some percentage of your players, they're just gone versus we can just... Yeah, I wouldn't say troll, but we can be a little strange to the player so long as it's not me, and I think that's that's really cool, actually. I mean, yeah, we can create Fun. experiences that are diffi more difficult and that people have to get into, which is, I mean, mm -hmm. basically how you do really pure, not pure, but like sincere art in the end. Because if you have to basically do fan, fan service for, for players in order to, to make money, yeah. then you are already always going to do something that is a compromise. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I've mentioned quite a few of the games there. I haven't mentioned all of them. So there's some other um, cool and, uh, and uh, surreal stuff in there to discover for yourself if you want to play the game. So, um, as I said, it's called Utopia's Navigating Without Coordinates. You can find it. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. It's interesting. So um, give, it, give it a look. Yeah, so Jack, Gabriel, thank you very much for joining me. It's been, uh, been fun to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. That is the end of our conversation. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with me for whatever reason, you can do so at Utopian Horizons on Twitter. You can email me at utopianhorizonspod at gmail.com. And if you want to hear more from me, then there are bonus episodes available uh, on the Utopian Horizons Patreon at patreon.com slash utopianhorizons. Almost finished um, a run through of capitalist realism there and uh, soon to be returning to a little bit of anime before doing um, whatever else might come along on there. If you've been enjoying the podcast, as always, reviews, ratings and reviews would be much appreciated and a great help. Like I said up top, unfortunately, uh, uh, things are going a bit slower at the moment than I would like, but, you know, that's the case uh, everywhere at the moment. But I'm, yeah, excited about some stuff I've got coming up. So... I will be back as soon as I can with a new episode. Cheers. Bye-bye.